Good morning, Horizon. Good to see everyone here this morning. Thank you, worship crew. Um, we are in the season of Lent, if you didn't know. Uh, Ash Wednesday was last Wednesday. And so what that means is we're kind of turning our hearts and our minds toward Easter, toward Resurrection Sunday, and, and everything that that means. And so we're starting a series here in March uh, called With Christ. And this is the series that's kind of going to get our hearts and our minds prepared for what we're going to look at on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Um, And I want to start with this idea, two paradoxical truths for followers of Jesus. And both of these things are true, and, and we have to kind of wrestle with both of these being true at the same time. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. You know, and, and it can get confusing. Like, are we like Russian dolls somehow, you know, in, I don't know how that works, but we're in Christ and Christ is in us. And a lot of times we talk about Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. But this series, we're going to kind of focus in the other direction. What does it mean for us to be in Christ? And in 1 John 4.13, it says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. So we live somehow, mysteriously, we live in him. Like, like he's an umbrella and we're up under the umbrella. We're in him and yet he's in us. Both are happening at the same time. He has given us of his spirit. And so there's this you know, ta- tangible tension between those two things, right? We are in Christ. And there's a lot of passages. When you read through the New Testament, you're going to find this over and over and over again. Here's just a few of them. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Colossians 2.6 and 7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Have you ever thought about what that means? Like, what in the world are you talking about, Paul? Strengthen in the faith as you were taught. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, think about the phrase in country. Those of you in the military know it's, it can be a military term where someone says, I was in country, right, where, where the battlefront was. Uh, it, it's talking about location, or scientists know this, right? If they're doing uh, research in country, it means they're there on location, And so there's a piece of being in Christ that has to do with location. Or how about this, in love. In love is a a state of internal being that affects every part of our life. So being in love is kind of a, a state of being on the inside that affects everything around us. So there's a piece of being in Christ that is kind of like being in love. Or how about in retirement? Some of us here this morning are in retirement, praise the Lord. It's a state of external being, a particular time of life. Right? Or how about this one? In utero, and it's Latin for in the womb. This is a location, certainly, but when people use this term, they really mean more of a state of development. And, and if you take all these ideas and kind of mush them all together, they're kind of capturing a piece, uh, just a piece of what it means to be in Christ, which is kind of all of these chunk together. So what does it mean to be in Christ? It means a state of internal being, external being, a state of development, and it's a location. And in this series, we're going to focus on the last one. What in the world do I mean by it's a location? 
Well, I think this. To be in Christ means that we were with Christ in his crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and currently with Christ in his enthronement. So this is going to stretch us a little bit in this series, but did you know that you're not just here? You're also there. What? You are with Christ. You were with Christ in his crucifixion on the cross, in his death. You were with Christ when he was buried in that tomb. You were with Christ when he rose from the grave. You were with Christ when he ascended back to the Father. And you right now are, we all who follow Jesus, are with Christ as he's enthroned in the heavenly places. So yes, we are here, but we're also with Christ. So we're going to spend a lot of time trying to unpack this, obviously, because this is kind of an interesting idea that the Apostle Paul talks about all through the New Testament. And you can just read through the New Testament, and you can blow by these prepositions and not really pay attention to them, right? That's with, if you didn't know what preposition was. With Christ. We can say, yeah, I was, I was, I was with Christ. But just stop for a second. Hear what Paul is saying. You were with, were with Christ in his crucifixion. What? We were with Christ in his crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And currently, right now, we are with Christ in his enthronement. Romans 6 is just one place. I mean, it's all through the New Testament. Romans 6 is just one place where he talks about it. Notice it. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into, there it is again, in Christ, baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him. We were buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Are you catching Paul's argument here? He said, oh, you've been set free from sin. And the guy in in, in Rome's like, how have I been set free from sin? And Paul's like, because you died. The guy's like, when did I die? He said, oh, you died with Christ. You following? Because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So in this season of Lent, we don't just acknowledge that the crucifixion, the crucifixion, death, and burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, although we do focus on that, we acknowledge our own crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement, because we were with Christ the whole way, and we still are. All right, let's dig into this, right? This is the natural question when this is talked about. If these things happened over 2,000 years ago, Mark, how is it that we are united with Christ in them? How is it that we were there with him on the cross? How is it that we were there with him in the tomb, that we were there when he rose from that tomb? How is it that we were with Christ? And even now, how is it that we're with Christ enthroned in the heavenly places? Because I'm right here in the muck of this world and the heaviness and the weight And the grief and the pain, you're telling me I was with Christ? How is that possible? Well, I want to kind of give you a picture of 
this idea. And the idea is this. Here's the principle. Eternal actions bear eternal fruit. If you do an action that's just a temporal action, the fruit is temporal. But if you do an action that is an eternal action, it will affect all of eternity for all of eternity. Are you with me on that? That's the principle we're dealing with here. Let me give you some pictures because I love to bring charts and graphs, you know. So here's history. History is a straight line marked out by time. We are in history. We are bound by time. But did you know that eternity is not bound by time? And so I made it wavy. That's what you do. Eternity is not bound by time. Okay? But we are in history. So here's what happened. And around 30 AD, Jesus was crucified, died, buried, and rose from the grave. That was, how many know, that was an eternal action that happened there. That action was a historical event, yes, we can mark it, 30 AD, but it was an eternal event in that it forever changed all of eternally, right? So watch what happens here. He busts into eternity with that action, which now affects everyone in the Old Testament and everyone that will forever be. Does that make sense? So it reaches back because it's eternal. It's not bound by time. So it reaches back into the Old Testament, and his act saved those in the Old Testament. And then his act didn't just save the people right there at the foot of the cross. His act was eternal, which means it would forever, for thousands of years, save everyone that also broke into eternity. So here we are in 2020. The day you surrendered your life to Jesus. That was an eternal act. You may have a a date and a time, but it was much more than that. It was an eternal act because when you surrendered your life to Jesus, that eternal act meant you broke into eternity forever. Now, what it means is we are living the eternal life now. You don't wait till heaven to live the eternal life. You're living it right now. Why? Because when you gave your life to Jesus, that eternal act then invited eternity into you and you into eternity. So we busted through into eternity when we surrendered our life to Jesus, which means that we now, because we're not bound by time, we were with Christ on that cross, in the tomb, in the resurrection, and in his enthronement. And not only that, not only does it go back, but it goes forward. Because we're eternal beings now, we're not bound by time. We, we are launched into a future. In other words, the Bible says that we are saved already. Yes, we're being saved, but it's also a done deal. Like, we're already there. It's already done. Why? Because we're not bound by time, because we busted into eternity. You guys follow me on this? I know this is a little heady, but I want us to understand why we can legitimately say we were with Christ on the cross. Because now we're operating with an eternal life. We're living an eternal life not bound by time. So why do we care about this? Well, this week, we're gonna cover that first one. The truth is that we were crucified with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. We were with him on the cross. Here's where it says that, Galatians 2.20, Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. See, that's the eternal action that busts through into eternity, faith. 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Notice this is past tense. It is true that he's being crucified with Christ, but it's also true that he was crucified with Christ. Remember, in eternity, you're not bound by time. So he's saying, I was there. I was pinned to that cross with Jesus. That's what happens when we surrender our life to Jesus. We identify with him in his crucifixion. We were in him and with him during the crucifixion, and now he is in us and with us living through us. Do you see the exchange? Because we decided that we would identify with him on the cross by surrendering our life to him, he said, okay, I'll I'll identify with you. I'll come live in you. I'll live through you. So what does it mean that we were crucified with Christ? Well, Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. In other words, rendered powerless in the Greek. That's what that phrase means. The body ruled by sin is rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So when we gave our life to Jesus, something miraculous happened. Not only did the Holy Spirit come to dwell in us, But our old self was then crucified with Christ and rendered powerless. Our sin was rendered powerless. Our old self was nailed to the cross. I want you to know this is part of the good news of the gospel. That that part of you that you've been struggling with in sin, it was already nailed to the cross. It was already nailed to the cross. And Here's another way of saying it. It's not the real you anymore. It's the dead you on the cross, but it's not the real you. Don't believe the lie that you are your sin because we've been crucified with Christ. Our old self has been crucified with him on that cross. It's been rendered powerless, guys. It has no power. You're not a slave to sin anymore. Don't believe the lie that says you're going to always sin like that. You'll never get over it. It's that slave language. You'll never escape. You'll always be stuck in it. No, you're not a slave to sin anymore. You've been set free from that. Here's the other thing that it means. In Colossians 2, 14 and 15, Paul says, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away. How did he take it away? Nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So here's what that means. We sinned, and just like in the court of law, like committing a crime, there was a legal charge against us. There was, a, there was an arrest warrant in the spirit. And the attorney stood up and said, here's the legal charge against you. You have been found guilty of sin. And here is your punishment. That's the charge of legal indebtedness, right? If you commit a crime, you got to do the time. And we have. That's what sin is. So what Jesus said is, you have this charge against you. And I'm going to take it away. And I'm going to bring it with me. And I'm going to nail that to the cross. So that no one, no attorney, No accusation, no enemy can speak those charges against you anymore. He nailed our legal indebtedness to the cross. So any accusation about how sinful we are, how horrible we are, how awful we are, 
Jesus took it. It was all written down, all of our sin. And he took it with him to the cross. And he said, I'm going to nail it with me on the cross. And no one can ever use those accusations against you again. Our charge of legal indebtedness has been nailed to the cross. That's part of what it means that we were crucified with Christ. Not only did our old self get nailed to the cross of them, but the charge that we were guilty got nailed to the cross. And the spiritual forces of evil have been disarmed. Do you notice the second part of this verse? Having disarmed the powers and authorities. That attorney in court that's making all those accusations against you, that's the enemy. And he loves to accuse you. And he loves to shame you and put guilt on you. And so that voice in your head that's doing that, that is not the Lord. The enemy loves to to speak those words over you about your sin and about how you've messed up. And Jesus said, look, not only did I take that legal indebtedness and pin it to the cross, but now they've got nothing. I've disarmed them. So when they go to make an accusation against you, they open up their book of accusations and there's just a blank page. They have no argument against you anymore. What argument can they bring against you? Oh, you're such a horrible sinner. You've made so many mistakes. You're no good. You'll never get any better. And, and, And what's our response? I've been crucified with Christ. It's not, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So there's a, there's, they have no power over you. That accusation, that shame has no power over you. The enemy's been disarmed. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So on that cross, Jesus is not only being crucified himself, but our old self is being crucified with him. Our charge of legal indebtedness is being crucified with him. Our sin is being crucified with him. He became our sin. And then he gave us something in exchange. An exchange happened with him on the cross where he gave us his righteousness So our sin, our old self, our mistakes, all of our mess-ups, they get nailed to the cross with Jesus, and Jesus says, I'll take all that on me. I will become your sin, and I have a gift for you more than that, my righteousness. Now, Jesus says, "I'm, I'm no longer the righteousness of God. I've taken your sin on me. I hang on this cross, and now you are the righteousness of God. Can you believe that? And when God looks at you, he says, that's my righteousness right there. Look, look, do you guys see it? Right there, my people, that's my holiness. That's my purity. Do you see them? That's what he thinks of you. That's what he says of you. So what does it mean that we're crucified with Christ? What means all these things? That our old self was nailed to the cross and rendered powerless. Our charge of legal indebtedness was nailed to that cross. That the spiritual forces of evil, they've been disarmed. That Jesus became our charge. He became our sin. He became our old self so that an exchange could happen with him and we could become the righteousness of God. 
We were once and for all crucified with Christ, past tense. But this is also true. We must continually crucify anything that tries to come down from the cross before it dies. Do you know that, that crucify, being crucified is not the same as dying? What I mean is, it will lead to death, but crucifixion is painful and long. So when we say we are crucified with Christ, it doesn't yet mean that we've died with him, although that's next week, so stay tuned. What it means is we're undergoing something painful that changes us. And so, yes, we've been crucified with Christ, but there's things in us that want to get off that cross, right? Crucifixion's painful, so part of ourselves will try to avoid it at all costs. The part of our dead self, sinful self, that doesn't want to be crucified, it will try to hop off that cross as soon as it can. Has anyone experienced this but me? It doesn't want to be crucified. Luke 9 says it this way. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And follow me. What does that mean to take up your cross daily? It means we were crucified with Christ, and every single day that we wake up, we must decide again to keep parts of ourselves crucified with Christ. Not letting parts of ourselves hop off that cross. We carry our cross daily. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever's hopping off the cross will actually not find life. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Whoever is willing to keep their dead, old habits, sinful self pinned to that cross, leave it there with the charge of legal indebtedness, then you will find life if you can stay on that cross. But it's painful. Ephesians 4.22, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, your old self, your old sin. Here's what you were taught, to put off your old self. In other words, like clothing, take off your old self and leave it pinned to the cross, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So we have these desires that are not in line with our new creation. They're not in line with who we are now in Christ. They smell like death. They smell like old rags. Paul's saying, take that stuff off and leave it on the cross so it can die. You want it to die, but it has to stay there. See, there will be mocking voices that tempt our old self, our old patterns, our old desires to come down from the cross just as they did with Jesus. See, they did this with Jesus. It's nothing new. They mocked him and invited him to come down from that cross. And listen, the part of you that's sinful that you're trying to leave on the cross, there will be mocking voices in your head and in your ears saying, come on, you, come on, you can't, you can't possibly think you'll have victory over that. Come on, this is too painful. You, you don't want to do this. Just give in. Just give in. You know this is what you want anyway. Just come on down from the cross. Has anyone heard that voice before? That is the mockery of the enemy and our old self on the cross dying. And the enemy invites us in a mocking way to jump off that cross. He doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want that sin to die. He doesn't want that old desire, that old habit to die. This is what they did with Jesus, Mark 15. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, 
shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Can you hear the mocking tone in that? In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Here's what happens when we try to have our old self stay crucified. There'll be invitations to shortcut the pain. There'll be invitations to numb the pain. Come on down. You don't need to go through all that. Just give in. There'll be invitations for shortcuts. There'll be invitations for numbing. There'll be invitations for just total avoidance of pain. We don't like pain. Who likes pain? But if we want to see ourselves, our old self, our sin, our our corrupt desires, if we want to see them put to death, they have to stay crucified until they die. Here's the truth of being crucified with Christ. That temptation you're facing has been stripped of its power. Do not believe it's more powerful than you. That is a lie. It only has the power that you give it. Thinking, Mark, that, that, that temptation just feels so strong. Listen, First of all, it's a lie. It's not that strong. It's been disarmed. But the second thing is, don't empower it. The only power it has is coming from you. It has no fuel source except you. Like a a parasite, it's leeching off of you. You're the one with the power. So it has to get its power from you because it doesn't have any. And when you wake up to that reality, suddenly, man, that temptation is just like, Here's another truth about being crucified with Christ. That accusation of you that brings shame has been torn up, that charge of legal indebtedness. And that lie can only produce shame if you believe it. Some of you are hearing these voices in your head that are just filling you with shame. You'll never amount to much. That sin that you committed was too great. You'll never overcome it. This, This addiction in your life, it's just too much. It just brings a lot of shame, a lot of accusation. But Jesus tore all that up. Listen, that's the enemy grasping at straws. He's got nothing against you because you've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you who live, but Christ in you. And he's got no charge against Christ. So that lie gains strength when we believe it. That's where it gains its power, with us agreeing with it. But if we say, no, that's a lie. Shut your mouth, enemy. I don't want to hear that stuff anymore. That's not true of me. Suddenly, it disempowers the lie. The enemy has been disarmed. He can only mess with you if you make agreements with him. Jesus on that cross disarmed the authorities and the powers. He took all their weapons away. He took all their accusations away. They've got nothing except if they can get you to agree with them. Not unlike a toddler who has no power, really, except when they start to see that their parent might agree with them. And suddenly, they're the hardest person to argue with. They have tremendous power, or so it seems. But every parent in the room knows, if I step back, the truth is that three-year-old really doesn't have any power here. But as I start to agree with them, 
boy, they got some power. And they will use it against you. This is true of the enemy. Very, very little power, no authority, but if he can get you to agree with him. Last one, pain has purpose. This is what it means to be crucified with Christ. It means your pain has purpose. So don't come down from the cross early. Don't listen to the mocking voices that tell you and tell your sinful, selfish stuff to come off that cross. Pain has purpose now because Jesus endured the ultimate pain for us, taking on our sin. That means forever he transformed pain. That means pain from now on God can use to shape us and mold us and change us to crucify our old self, to bring new life. Pain now in this fallen sinful world actually can produce something good if we don't come down from the cross early. And this is where we need each other, guys, because, man, it gets hard hanging up there on that cross, and we need some brothers and sisters in Christ to be like, don't get down, bro. Do not get down. I know you want to. Stay on the cross until you die because life is coming. But we got to die first. Here's our, here's our war cry, Horizon Church. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is our war cry. Against everything that comes against you, every hardship that comes against you, every accusation, every temptation, this is what we're going to say back. This is our answer. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So we're going to practice this. Everybody stand up. We're just going to get a little practice under our belt this morning, so you can take this with you all week, all month, all year for 2020, okay? (laughs) When there's a temptation that comes at you, And it feels impossible to resist. And that temptation comes and it's speaking to you like you have to give in. You're going to give in. This is who you are. You can't resist this. Your response is going to be this. Let's all say it together. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When hardship comes at you and the world just feels like it's weighed on your shoulder and you just get blow after blow after blow. You just feel like you're getting beaten up by the world. You're getting beaten up by life. Heaviness is on you. And the whispers come to just give in, just give in. This is our response. Say it together. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When the voices of shame come at you and they're telling you you're not worth anything and they say, listen, you've messed up too big. You've messed up too big, too sinful, too much, too many times. You don't have any worth. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? When those voices come, this is our response. Together, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is how we respond to the world. This is our war cry. 
We have been crucified with Christ. Worship team's going to come on up here. And close us. You can stay standing. If you have any questions, you can text that number. This is a prayer Sunday, which means our prayer team offers prayer down the hall and in the sanctuary. If you have any need whatsoever, physical, spiritual, emotional, we'd love to pray for you. Listen, this morning, I was asking the Lord if he wanted to direct our attention anywhere, and I, here's what I saw. I saw a picture of a heart. And I heard the words, broken heart. And then I asked the Lord about it, and I felt like it had two meanings to it. The first is that there's a number of us in here dealing with a, a broken heart, like emotionally. And then there's some others in here that are, well, I asked him about it, and he, he highlighted like a valve. So somebody in here, maybe more than one, is dealing with some kind of heart valve issue. If that's you, I want to pray for you in the prayer room after this. But right now, I want to focus on the broken heart piece because I feel like that's a lot of us. So pray with me. And if that's you, if you're the one this morning that came with a broken heart, just know the Lord wants to bring healing to that. So let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful that you went to the cross, but we're, we're more grateful that you brought us with you. That all of our old sin was with you. All of the accusations of our sinfulness and our worthlessness, all of it was with you, nailed to the cross. That you disarmed the powers and authorities. And so, God, we, we proudly declare that we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer we who live, but Jesus, it's you who lives in us. And every accusation of the enemy, that is our war cry. We just declare, we have been crucified with Christ. Father, I pray for every broken heart in this room. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to just come now and bring your peace and your comfort. Father, pour out your love into the broken hearts here. Pour out your love to bring healing to the broken hearts. Father, you are the healer of our broken hearts. I ask for your supernatural peace to come, for your comfort to come, for your love to come, in Jesus' name. God, would you mend our hearts as we offer them to you? tattered and torn but God you say you want our hearts anyway that you want them so we give our hearts to you this morning God we ask you to heal them we know you alone can heal these broken hearts in Jesus name Amen